Let's pray. Father, we honor you and give you glory. We thank you for the good word of God we're about to receive tonight. Lord, that it'll be seed that's planted in good ground and that it'll, it'll produce good fruit, long-lasting fruit in our lives, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, we thank you for this. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you tonight about what one of the most important uh, things that, that we could possibly talk to you about. And while I take that sip, I leave you all in suspense. <laughs> but it's one of the most important things that you can talk about because when, when Jesus told a parable and said, if you get this one, then you got it. If you get this one, then you really got it. <laughs> I'd say that's important. And so we're going to talk to you tonight about going from root to fruit. Going from root to fruit. And if you want to subtitle that, you, you can say, uh, understanding the process of the seed. Understanding the process of the seed. And it's interesting because as Jesus taught when he was here on earth, one thing that he taught very clearly was the idea of uh, the, the kingdom of God being like uh, uh, someone who went out and sold seed. As a matter of fact, uh, one thing, if you go back to the very beginning, if you go back to Genesis, and right after uh, the, the flood of Noah, and, and uh, when God blessed the human race, those that he was starting all over again with, which was Noah and his wife and, and, and uh, Shem and Ham and Japheth, his three sons and their wives. And, and when he blessed them, and, per, and part of that uh, area of Scripture, he said that uh, uh, cold and heat and uh, summer and winter and sowing and reaping will not cease. So uh, the, the idea of the seed is a God idea. When God created this world in its perfection, in its original status, he created things with seed that could produce after their own kind. And, and so we see uh, that this is a, a, a thing that is very, very thoroughly uh, a scriptural thing, both in the Old and in the New Testament, how many of you are over, even if you've not been a believer, you've probably heard the term, you reap what you sow. And you know what? That's a good thing for some people to get a hold of. It's a good thing for all of us to get a hold of. But uh, in the context of what we're going to hit tonight, I want to ex explain to you going from root to, to fruit understanding the process of the seed. I, I like to rhyme things. And so several years ago, about four years ago, studying on the subject, got, got myself a little rhyme on it. So I'm going to go ahead and plant my rhyme on you. It's nothing very fancy, but it'll stick with you. It'll help you remember it. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. Are you with me? It's very easy, but it helps you remember. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up. And produces fruit. 
And so I want to go ahead and, and look here as we get started at the scriptural basis for seeing that very process. Let's look at Isaiah 27, verse 6. Those who come, that's the first step. You've got to come to them. <laughs> There's no chance of, of seed being planted in our heart without us coming to him to a place where we can hear and have that seed planted. Those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. First of all, you come to him. You, you, you give him the opportunity to plant that seed in you. He causes it to take root. That's where the seed takes root. Israel blossoms and buds. And that there is the seed growing up and then ultimately producing fruit. And fill the face of the world with fruit. So I want to show you that that's just not a cute little rhyme, but something that we're going to see uh, over and over again in the scripture as a pattern. And it's very important for us as believers to pay attention to patterns in the scripture. Because if it's repeated and you see the same thing over and over and over again, let me tell you, it's not a coinkadink, all right? Colossians <laughs> chapter 2. Colossians 2, and uh, let's uh, start with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. So you've received Christ Jesus. That means the seed got planted. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So in verse 6, we've received Christ Jesus here we see that we're rooted, back to verse 7 now, rooted, and then built up. You're growing up. You're built up in him. And what's the ultimate conclusion? You're abounding. That's fruit production. Glory to God. Let's go ahead and look at this a little bit more. This is Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 2. Jeremiah 12 and verse 2. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. Now, that, that, that's a sad thing, that, that the, the way this verse ends, that we would ever be near to God in our mouth, but far from him in our mind, far from him in our heart. As the Bible says elsewhere through the prophet Isaiah, you, you, uh, uh, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. That's not the will of God. God's will for us is to be near him with our mouth, near from him with our heart. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything you got. Amen? But we do see here, once again, this process of the seed that we see so often through Scripture. You have planted them. The seed gets planted. Yes, they have taken root. The seed takes root. They grow. And, and that's the part where the seed grows up. Yes, they bear fruit. And what does the seed do after it grows up? It produces fruit. Now, this is a principle. This process works both negatively and positively. So we've seen instances of it working in a positive way. When we read in Colossians about receiving Christ, being rooted in him, being built up in him, and abounding, hey, that's great. But there's ways that it works in a negative way as well. And I want to look at a few examples of that. This is 1 Timothy 
chapter 6. For the love of money, that's the seed, is a root of all kinds of evil. That's where it takes root. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So where's the process here? You see, the love of money, that's the seed, and obviously it's a bad seed, is a root of all kinds of evil. So when that seed gets planted and it takes root, what starts happening? All kind of evil for which some having strayed from the faith. Interesting thing. When you when, uh, when you got a good seed planted, rather than t- uh, taking you away from faith, it brings you to your faith. But when you're dealing with bad seed, rather than going towards faith, it's taking you away from faith. It's taking you the opposite direction of the direction you really need to be going. So yeah, the seed's growing up, but that's not positive growth. That's negative growth because you are straying from the thing that you should be embracing. Oh Lord, that's for somebody tonight. <laughs> now, as we go on, calm down, boy. All right, here we go. Now go back to 1 Timothy 6. There's one other thing I want to see there. And that, that's the idea that the ultimate fruit of this is they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And I've so loved over the years comparing this verse with with a verse out of Proverbs that talks about the blessing of the Lord and says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. So here you got these people trying to be rich through means of greed and covetousness and the love of money. And what happens? Ultimately, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But when you come across uh, uh, genuine prosperity and you come across it God's way, rather than you get in sorrows, you get the blessings, you get the riches without the sorrow. Hallelujah. But you see, you, you see the variation in the ultimate kind of Fruit, because of the variation in the seed, which meant the variation in the root, which ultimately led to the variation in the fruit. Are you with me on that? One more thing. This is Hebrews um, 12. Hebrews 12 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You see the root there, the root of bitterness. You see it springing up. You see that seed growing up. And what's the fruit of it? It causes trouble, and it causes many to become defiled. So you see that same principle that can work positively can work negatively. It's all determined by the kind of seed. Praise the Lord. Now, go ahead and put that statement up here. God is not only interested in getting the right seed planted in you resulting in good fruit. But God is also interested in removing the root of bad seed that has been sown in you, resulting in bad fruit. You know, it's almost so simple that it's, you know, it's, can it be too simple? Can, can, can something be so obvious that we just miss it? 
God is not only interested in getting the right seed planted in you, resulting in good fruit, but God is also interested in removing the root of bad seed that has been sown in you, resulting in bad fruit. Now, here's the thing. As we dig into this and, and, and we see the, the process of the seed, how the seed gets planted, the seed grows up, uh, the, uh, the seed takes root, the seed grows up and produces fruit. But yet at the same time, as we look into the scripture, we see that God is not just in to the planting of seed, but God is also in to the tearing up of old stuff that needs to be torn up to clear up the ground for the new stuff to get planted. Oh, somebody needs to listen to me tonight. Here we go. Matthew 15, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted will be uprooted. That's, that's important. I don't want stuff in my garden that God's not planted. How about you? And the, the, the value of the process of uprooting is for the sake of clearing the way of stuff that doesn't belong so that the stuff that does belong, the stuff that will be beneficial to your garden and beneficial to your life can get planted there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the words of John the Baptist out of Matthew 3. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And you know, sometimes people read that and say, Ooh, I'm not really comfortable with that. That's, that's a little harsh. But you know what? I want Holy Ghost fire burning in my life. How about you? Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he's talking about fire here in verse 11. Go back to verse 10. He's also talking about fire in verse 10. Talking about cutting every tree that's not bearing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. How many of you, if you look at your life and, and all the trees in your garden, you can probably identify some that, that need to have this kind of ending to them. I won't look. I won't look. I'll just go ahead and wave my own hands at you, all right? You know, uh, it's interesting that uh, this axe being laid to the root of the trees, meaning that it's not just good enough to cut something down and throw it into the fire, because if the root's still there, that old stupid thing may grow up again. So in God's working, he's looking to put the axe to the root of the tree to eliminate the tree from growing up again and to take that old thing that, that has uh, bogged us down in life and cluttered our garden and throw it in the fire and get rid of it. Amen. Now, you know, it's interesting. You know, sometimes, you, you know that, that little saying when somebody's in a hurry and they say, chop, chop. How many of you ever heard that before? Well, I got to tell you this. You know, sometimes we get in a hurry and, and want to tell the Lord, chop, chop. 
when the Lord hears the words chop, chop coming out of our mouth, he may think, yeah, chop, chop. I can think of several things need to be chopped out of your life right now. Come on, somebody. But, but you know, it's interesting. One of the questions we always need to ask ourselves is, do we trust him? Do we trust the man with the axe? <laughs> do, do, do we trust the one who wants to go ahead and, and get, get the garden cleared out? Uh, of trees that don't belong there and, and lay the axe to the root and throw that into the fire and get, get rid of it. Do, do we trust him? How much do we trust him? Do we trust him to do that? Or are we there hollering out the, the kitchen window saying, no, don't do it to that tree. As though we've got some sentimental value to some old stupid something in our life that has clogged up our life and clogged up our blessings and 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 not done us any kind of good for years and years and years and like we've got some kind of sentimental attachment to that old thing. Lord have mercy. One thing we're going to see in this next verse, which is very interesting, is that God actually called a prophet for, for the purpose of um, tearing things down and building things up. But in his commission... He was given more instructions about tearing things down than building the new stuff up. You want to see it? This is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. The commission that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah, he said, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. To do what? To root out and to pull down. To destroy and to throw down. To build and to plant. So you got six things there. Four of them have to do with getting rid of stuff, and two of them have to do with getting new stuff in there. Are you with me? That tells us something. That tells us that sometimes, many times, there's a need for a whole lot of, shall we say, clearing the land so that God can really put in there what he wants there because if that land's not cleared out totally, you're going to have something that's going to clog it up. You, 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 you know, Jesus talked about even the, the idea of where good seed was planted and then an enemy went in there and, 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 and planted weeds and they both were growing up at the same time. Not a good situation. God does not want you to have a, a, a mixed bag of stuff going in your yard. He wants to go ahead and clear out all that old stuff and all that junk so that he can really plant what he wants planted in your life and see it take root and grow up and produce fruit. But could it be that in our life, one reason that we've not allowed him to do that to the extent that he would like to do it is that we got a whole lot of clutter in the backyard. We got a whole lot of stuff that needs to be uprooted and torn down and pulled out of there. To allow God to have a, a clear canvas to work with. Glory to God. And someone may say, but wait a minute, how, how can I ever be to the point where I got a clear canvas for God to work with? I'm always going to have something I'm working on. And, and so sometimes people hear that and say, oh no, what, what am I going to do? But But the thing is, is that 
If you're always in a position where you're before the Lord and allowing him to do what he wants to do, you see, this is not your work in you. See, that's the good news. See, you had that momentary, oh boy, what am I going to do? But this is not your work in you. This is his work in you. All you've got to do, all I've got to do, all we've got to do is put ourselves in a position where we allow him to do what he wants. Where when he says do this, we say, yes, sir, you're the head of the church. And I am under authority. You are my authority. What you say goes. And if you say that's got to go, that's got to go. And if the Lord deals with something else, all right, you're the head of the church. I am uh, under authority to you. You are my Lord. I am not Lord. You are. And if you say that's got to go, that's got to go. And as long as we find ourselves not bucking up against him, but cooperating with him and flowing with him, then I'll tell you, that allows the opportunity for this process to take place. Glory be to God. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. Now, now, when we're talking about clearing up stuff in the yard, one of the number one ways that you can clear up stuff in your yard is right up here. Are you with me? Thinking. Thought patterns, ways of seeing yourself, ways of seeing other people, ways of seeing the world, ways of thinking how the world sees you. All of these things that, can, that, that have uh, been, been grown up a long time and, and they're, they're not just little saplings anymore because the longer you've allowed them to go, they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, and so, so here we are coming to the Lord and, and, and there's work to be done. So I want to examine the work that needs to be done here. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse four, but for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse five, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And two things you see in this process is pulling down and casting down. Isn't that interesting? Pulling down and casting down. So what you're doing, you're getting rid of old arguments. You're getting rid of strongholds. You know what a stronghold, Pastor John has defined it so eloquently that a stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. So, so uh, by getting rid of strongholds, uh, pulling them down, casting down arguments and high things and imaginations and so on, uh, what, what we're doing is we are, uh, by this act, we are clearing the way for new strongholds to be in, in, in their place. The, the, the idea is not whether a stronghold is good or bad. The, the problem is what has a stronghold on us is usually stinking thinking, stuff that is not in line with the word, stuff that is not in line because it's not in line with the word, it's not in line with truth. And so we've got things that are lies, uh, things that, that, that are just so uh, Far, far off from the way of what's right and the way of what's true. And so here we're going down this road uh, in life with, with a certain set of glasses on that totally skews our vision of things. 
And what does the Lord want to do? He wants to go ahead and pluck these things out. He wants to help us to, to uh, 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 cast some things down, to pull some things down for the sake of building up in their place something that's right. So we're trading in our old pair of glasses for a new pair of glasses where we see the world according to truth. We see ourselves according to truth. We see God according to truth rather than according to the lies that we used to believe. Hallelujah. Amen to that. See, there's a necessity to get the junk out. You see, our spirit's a new creation in Christ, but our soul, the, the Bible says that there's still work that needs to be done on the soul. It's called the renewing of the mind. You know, um, it takes faith to do this. It takes faith to do this. When, when dealing with things that need to be uprooted, it takes faith. Jesus knew that. That's why he said what he said over Luke 17, verse 6. Delayed reaction. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. If you have faith as a mustard seed, what can you use your faith for? For pulling up stuff by the roots and getting rid of it. Hallelujah. Are you with me on that? And someone said, oh, glory to God. I'm glad it's so easy. Well, you know what? It's interesting that the the initial step in this direction is easy. The initial decision is easy. It's what you do afterwards when the enemy comes to you and says, yeah, that's really working for you. Yeah, you actually thought you were doing something when you were speaking to that thing and uprooting that thing out of your life and telling it to go somewhere else and get out of your garden and get out of your backyard and, and then the enemy's right there to say, yeah, 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 that, I can see that's really working well for you. You, you see, the, the biggest battle of faith is not necessarily in, in the initial decision to believe God and to go ahead and do what this says and to talk to something that in your life needs to be uprooted and tell it to get uprooted and tell it to leave. But after that, it is to be able to stand and to believe that those things which you said actually came to pass. Because I guarantee you that the dumb devil will be right there to say, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. You wasted your time. You look like a fool. You actually think something happened. I don't think so. You, you know how he is. He talked to you the same way he talked to me. Lies to you just like he lies to me. But think about that, that we can use our faith to uproot things in our life. Glory to God. Thank God for that. You know why? Because if we can use our faith to get that, then how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know how to get faith. You, you know how to, to uh, get it. You know how to release it. You know, faith comes by hearing and faith is released by word and action. We realize that.
And, and so, so thank God that, that, that one of the most basic principles of the kingdom, I mean, how do you get into the kingdom to begin with? It's through faith. We're saved by faith. We realize that. So, so uh, uh, God has allowed us to have access to be able to uproot things in our life that need to be uprooted and have the, the most basic principle of faith as the way by which it can be accomplished. To say it with your mouth and to believe it in your heart. And then stand and act like it's that way when nothing looks like it's that way. Glory be to God. James 1. Talking about that, that process, you know, that we started looking over in 2 Corinthians 10. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, this is very interesting because here we see, uh, uh, if, well, it, uh, we're not going to look at it now, but if you looked a few verses earlier, you see who he's talking to. He's addressing them as my beloved brethren. So he's telling people that he's calling brethren that they need to get their souls saved, which means there's something that might be a little up with our terminology when we talk about souls being saved. And, you know, not that it's, it, it, it's a bad thing, but it may not be 100% accurate because we may be talking more in the context of spirits being saved rather than souls being saved because here's people that are brethren who still need to have their souls saved. Hmm. Things that make you say, hmm. So here, uh, we, we see this. We see the need laying aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness. What's that? That's the, the uprooting. That's the, uh, the, 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 the tearing down, the pulling down, the casting down that we read about over in the Second Corinthians 10. More of that same stuff that's got to go on. And then what's happening? Something's being put in its place. Something's getting laid aside and something's getting planted. Re- you're receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So you see this laying aside, the uprooting process, receiving with meekness. What's that? That's where the seed takes root. Hallelujah. The implanted word. Remember the seed gets planted? That's the implanted word. It's planted in you. And what ultimately happens? Your souls are saved. The seed grew up and produced fruit. Glory be to God. Now, let's go ahead and spend a little time here getting into the parable of the sower. And uh, uh, just noticing some things here. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. Th- this, this, is not, this is not shouting run the church, around the church night tonight. I mean, you know, I love to shout. I love to dance and run. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But this is meat and taters night, y'all. Meat and taters. Matthew 13. And the, the most significant thing in your Christian life is not your running or your shouting, and that's good. But the most significant thing in your life is the stuff that you're running and shouting about. This is the stuff that you run and shout about when you get it. Glory to God. Matthew 13. This is the parable 
of the sower. All right? So here we go. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the seed gets planted, all right, and does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. You see, this is the point in time where the seed should be taking root. And yet here in this case, we see that he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, why? Because of the word. So you see uh, over in the, uh, the uh, verse 19, the wicked one coming for the word. Here you see tribulation and persecution arising because of the word. And what happens? Immediately he stumbles. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So here's a case where the word looks like it might have a chance to grow up. But the problem is that there's other stuff growing along with it that chokes it. There's other stuff growing along with it that hinders the, 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 the good seed. And what happened? He becomes unfruitful. Now, we weren't going to get to good ground. Don't worry, I'm not leaving out good ground, but I want to say a few things first. I want us to notice that the, the biggest enemies to the success of the seed is the wicked one and poor ground condition. We know the wicked one's coming for the seed, and we know that poor ground condition has been a, 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 an enemy of the seed. If it's thorny, if it's stony, if, if it's uh, uh, not, 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 not good and, and fertile ground, the, then that, that's an enemy to the seed because if the seed gets planted there, it's not going to do what it can do. It's not going to live up to its fullest potential. It's not going to have success there. And it's not a problem with the seed. Oh, Lord. Go ahead and put that statement up here. There was nothing wrong with the seed. Because the seed's the word and there's nothing wrong with the word. Get that in you. There's nothing wrong with the seed because there's nothing wrong with the word. The various kinds of ground had the same seed scattered over it. The same seed can have different results in different people's hearts and lives. That is not a reflection on the seed. It is a reflection on the ground. Mm-mm. All right, someone get your iPhone out. One more time. Here we go. There was nothing wrong with the seed because there's nothing wrong with the word because the seed is the word. The problem can't be with the seed because you can't have a problem with the word. The word is perfect. 
The various kinds of ground had the same seed scattered over it. The same seed can have different results in different people's hearts and lives. That's not a reflection on the seed. That is a reflection on the ground. So the bottom line is that we need to pay attention to the kind of seeds we're allowing into our lives. Obviously, you know, there's no problem with the word, but there's problem with other things that you can allow to be planted in your life. But besides that, there's also, we need to pay attention to the condition of the ground that good seed is being planted on. Think about this. Jesus, in his teaching, it's... Uh, rendered two different ways. You've got Mark 4, 24 and Luke 8, 18. We don't have these on the screen, but you can write them down. Mark 4, 24, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Luke chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Well, which one should I do? You should do both. You should take heed what you hear and how you hear. Because taking heed what you hear has to do with taking heed to what kind of seed you're allowing to be planted. You don't want any other seed being planted but the seed of the word. Taking heed how you hear has to do with the kind of ground that the seed's getting planted on. Are you receptive to the word you're hearing? Are you not receptive to it? Well, if you're good ground, you're going to receive it. If you're good ground, you're going to go ahead and act on it. See, the devil don't have a chance to steal it because as soon as you get it, you take it and do it. He don't have a chance to steal it because as, as, soon, as soon as it's planted there, you're taking it and run with it and, and, and doing something with it. So the, the, there's no chance for the enemy to come and steal the word when you've got somebody who has a good heart and good ground who's not just taking heed to what they hear, but taking heed to how they hear. Not just to make sure that the seed is right, but to make sure also that the ground is right. Now, let's get to the good ground. What's the secret to the seed's success when it is successful? It's the kind of ground that it got planted on. And in this case, we're not talking about dirt and soil. We're talking about the hearts of men. So, Matthew 13, 23, we took a little pause there, but now this is the rest of the story. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Interesting thing. That word understand means uh, in the Greek literally to put together. You know, isn't that a great moment when you put it together? When, when you're hearing truth and you're able to connect the dots. That, that first time where you, you connected the dots and said, all right, uh, Jesus died on the cross to save all that are lost. And oh yeah, I'm lost. So I need this. See the dots getting connected? See, that, that's understanding. Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing how that happens when, when, when the Lord is ministering and somebody starts connecting the dots, uh, starts putting it together. Glory to God forever. Have an understanding of the word. Now, Mark 
which is really Mark's equivalent of the same thing, you know, the same parable, the same ending of the story. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So we, we don't just see the need to understand the word, to put it together or connect the dots, but to accept it. See, that does not automatically happen. That's a decision, a decision to accept it, a decision to take it as it is. And if it don't go with your way of thinking, you change your way of thinking and say, I must have been wrong because he's right. You just accept it. Now let's look at uh, Luke's uh, rendering of the very same verse. This is Luke 8, verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now what happens here? Here you see that, that they're hearing the word with a good heart. Several other scriptures, uh, you know, just have a beautiful, uh, capture that beautifully, I should say. Acts 17, 11 talks about them receiving the word with all readiness. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says that when they heard the word, that uh, they did not receive it as the word of man, as though it was just something some other guy was saying, but they received it in truth as the word of God. So hearing the word with a good heart, this also has a connotation of keeping it. So they hear the word with a noble and good heart and keep it. What's keeping it about? Keeping the word means to hold fast to the word, keep in memory the word, Possess and retain the word. That means you ain't letting it go. You are not letting it go. You're keeping it. You're holding on to it. Like Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 teaches us that therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. I'm not letting this one get away. I'm not letting this get away. I'm holding on to it. I'm holding on to it tight. I'm keeping it in my memory. I'm possessing it. I'm retaining it. I'm keeping the word. And then what else? And bear fruit with patience. Now, this is all part of good ground hearers. They understand the word. They, they put it together. They connect the dots. With all you're getting, get understanding. See, see, here's the thing. There's no excuse. Someone said, well, I just don't get the Bible. I, I tried reading the Bible all the way from genetics to revolution one time, and uh, I, I, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Got sidetracked when I got over to First Imaginations and, and read about knowing his wife, Joan, Joan, uh, Joan of Arc, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 and, and they're just biblically illiterate and... and but, but, but the thing is, is that they, they say that, but those that really hunger and thirst after righteousness get filled. You can't tell me you're really hungry and thirsting and not getting filled. You, if you seek me, God said, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. If you ain't finding my, my money's on him, it's not on you. If there's going to be something wrong with somewhere, it's going to be something wrong here because it's not going to be on him. So let's see, we, we understand the word, we, we accept the word, we take it for, for, for what it is, we, we believe it, we, we just simply make a decision to believe it, knowing that God said it, and he, he, he's true. Let God be true and every man a liar. We hear it with a good heart, 
and we keep the word. We're holding fast to it. We're not letting it go. We're not letting it get away from us. We're keeping it in our memory, possessing and retaining it. And now bearing fruit with patience because patience is a necessary factor in fruit bearing. Because the full manifestation of the fruit you're looking for does not happen all at once. I need you to hear this. It's progressive. The full manifestation of the fruit you're looking for does not happen all at once. Mark 4. Mark 4. Let's just take a look at it. This is Jesus continuing to teach about the seed and the kingdom of God later on in chapter 4 after he already talked about the parable of the sower. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. So it's interesting that even the, the production of fruit is progressive because you don't have the full grain in the head first. You got the blade first, then you've got the head, then you got the full grain in the head. That's why you bear fruit with patience. Remember we were talking about that? This is why, because not all the fruit shows up at once. You just see a little sign. You just see a blade. You thought, yeah, it's working. It's working. And, and then you see a little bit more. You see the head. It's working. It's working. And then you see the full grain in the head. And you know you've gotten to the point that you ultimately wanted to get to. But the process of bearing fruit requires patience. Now, here's the thing. Why did we break down that good ground category? Because that's the category we all want to be in. We need to be proficient in that. And we need to not allow ourselves to be sidetracked with the other things. We can't let the enemy come and steal the word. We, we can't let the, uh, uh, the cares of this world come in and try to choke out the word and tribulation and persecution, try to come and get it. No, we just need to hold on to it. You see, keeping it is holding on to it, holding fast to it, not letting go, just squeezing it tight. So the enemy comes and tries to get it out of your hands. He can't get it away from you. Persecution, tribulation comes. Tries to get it out of your hands. He can't get it away from you because you're holding fast to it. And what happens? The ultimate end of the story when it comes to patience, James 1.4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So now, now that's a happy ending, isn't it? <laughs> Lacking nothing. Perfect and complete. But what did you have to do to get there? You had to let patience have its perfect work. Because when you are bearing fruit, how are you bearing fruit, good ground people? You're bearing fruit with patience. Which means if it don't happen as fast as you'd like it to happen, you just keep on going. And if it looks like, man, I've been walking this road a long time, and here's Joey that just got saved last week, and it looked like he's passing me in the passing lane, you just keep on going. <laughs> hey, hey. 
But what is the bottom line of going from root to fruit? Let me give you the bottom line. And several verses we're going to see right here as we get ready to close tonight. The bottom line of going from root to fruit. Proverbs 12. This is a portion of Proverbs 12, 12. Not the whole verse. But it says, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. Glory to God. The root of the righteous yields fruit. Who are the righteous? Those who have received God's free gift by faith. Not those who've worked for anything, because you can't work for that. Not those who measured up to some kind of standard or status to get that, because you can't meet any standard or status to get that. It is a free gift from God, and the only way you get it is by faith. Glory to God. The root of the righteous yields fruit. Second Kings 19, verse 30. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again... Take root downward and bear fruit upward. Can you say it with me? Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Why am I emphasizing that? Because taking root downward is where nobody can see it. Nobody can see roots and what's happening with roots. And when a seed down under the ground takes, you can't see that happening. Even when it is happening, but you don't see it. You don't see it when it comes to something in the natural. You don't see it in the, when it comes to something in the spirit. Because however you look at it, it's happening under the ground. It's happening under the dirt. But then when you bear fruit, everybody can see it. You can see it. Others can see it. You don't have to walk by faith there. You can walk by sight there because it's very obvious that something's been produced in your life. Something's happening in your life at that point. Because you bear fruit upward out here where everybody can see it. But when it comes to the root, the root happens downward. The root's happening under the ground. And I want you to know that, that you may have had the seed of the word planted in your life. And it didn't appear that anything was happening. But let me tell you, something happening under the dirt. And, and, and yet you, you may not have thought that it was taking root. But let me tell you this, something's happening underneath the dirt. And, and until that moment, will you see that shoot come through the dirt? It may have looked that whole time like absolutely nothing was going on while the whole time it was active and it was alive and it was moving. It was just happening under and not above. Somebody needs to get happy about it tonight. That's the way John the Baptist started his ministry. You know, Luke chapter 1 verse 80 in the King James Bible says that the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and stayed out in the desert until the day of his showing to Israel. So he was growing before his showing. Hey, he was growing before his showing. Because when he was growing, yeah, that, that, that was still under, uh, under the ground. He was out in the desert. He wasn't doing his public ministry yet. Nobody could see, you know, any significance about what this guy was doing. Nobody could see. Just that's the hairy guy out in the desert, you know. That, that's all people knew about him. But then the, the, the growing turned into the showing. 
And there was a day where he was made manifest to Israel and got the attention of not just the little people in Israel. He got the attention of the king and queen, let me tell you. But there was growing before the showing because it happens underneath the dirt before it pops out through the dirt. We're going to close with this. This is Jeremiah 17. Woo, glory to God, this is awesome. Read this with me. Grab a hold of this. This is for you tonight. God wants to minister through this last verse. God wants to really plant something in you tonight. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Here we go. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Glory be to God. You know, some of the things I love most here, will not fear when heat comes. See, good ground does not get affected by what affects the other kind of ground. See, the other kind of ground say, oh, boy, here comes the wicked one going to steal the seed. Oh, boy, here comes uh, persecution and tribulation and the cares of this world. But this kind of ground, you know, don't mind being in the kitchen because it can stand the heat, somebody. What about this good kind of ground? What about this tree? planted by the waters with its roots spread out by the river. What about this kind of tree and this kind of ground? The Bible says that its leaf will be green and that it will not be anxious in the year of drought. See, in a time of difficult outward conditions, it's not worried about those difficult outward conditions and what everybody else sees and what everybody else may be concerned about. This kind of tree is not worried about that. You know why? Because this kind of tree has the right seed that was planted that produced the right kind of root. And let me tell you, this tree is planted by water, just like Psalm chapter 1 says, that you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. What kind of tree do you want to be? What kind of ground do you want to be? You choose. What kind of seed do you want to have planted in you? You choose. I'll tell you what. When my TV's not planting the right kind of seed, the channel gets changed. I don't want junk growing up in my garden. I want good fruit growing up in my garden. Glory to God. So if you want to go from root to fruit, my prayer that tonight you've learned some things that can help you along with the process. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we honor you tonight. Give you glory. Thank you, Father, for planting this word in our hearts tonight. Lord, our desire for, for every believer in the house is that they will heed this, they will believe it, they will walk accordingly, 
and experience all of the blessing and all of the beautiful things that you desire to do in their life. And there's not one aspect of it that they'll be missing out on. They will experience all of the goodness of God in their life. We believe it tonight.